Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Time Bandits. Earth Girls are easy. Batteries not included. What do these four movies have in common? We'll try and figure that out on this week's episode of The Algorithm. Welcome to The Algorithm. I'm Zach Kendall. I'm Dustin Liu. <laughs> and, uh, this is a <laughs> podcast where we try and take a deep dive and understand exactly how movies are recommended to us on stream platforms. Uh, how are you doing, Dustin? Fantastic. This is a wild bunch of movies. Wild. Sure is. Uh, show my card. This might be... Uh, my favorite bunch of movies, wow. or meh, at least for the main movie, it's definitely my favorite of our bunch. I think. Um, wow. Bill wow. and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a movie that I completely grew up on. I will. I'm, I'll just give you my spiel on that right now. Uh, a movie that when I was about oh well, first of all, this is uh, a week of Keanu month. Uh, very important week of Keanu month. This is much more. Co- uh, Covering his comedy work uh, with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But this is maybe the first ever Keanu movie I saw. Um, I specifically remember going to Walmart with my dad. Shout out, Jason. Uh, and walking through the DVD aisles. We were going to pick something out to watch. And he said, let's watch let, Let's let's watch you try Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay, Dad. Sure. Um, from then on, I watched this movie religiously, like once to once or twice a year. Um, that was starting in fourth grade. I did my, um, fourth grade history report on Sigmund Freud because of this movie. I, did you travel back in time and capture Sigmund Freud? To I traveled your... back. Yeah, yeah. So what I did was I went back in time to capture Sigmund Freud, but I got Hitler instead. Oh, jeez. Uh, Hope you didn't uh, have any, uh, you know, wrong German in your class. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I I did that because of the because of this movie. I um refer to Socrates as Socrates because of this movie. Um, I do not say anything except what's his name? So- Socrates. Socrates. Yes, uh, Socrates. So- uh, Socrates. I do not know Socrates. It's Socrates to me. Uh, legitimately, I. Yeah, he legitimately a, just proved that. Yeah, I, I'm not. I am not a smart person, but that even shows more how stupid I am. Because but but you saying called... that actually made me forget how to actually pronounce it. I was it's, like, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think but, I think the real issue is you watching all four of these movies in one day. And, yeah, is, so um, I did reveal that I watched all four of these movies today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, Batteries Not Included, uh, Time Bandits, and Earth Girls Are Easy are what we're covering today. Do you uh, have any? Sounds like a good Saturday. It's a good Saturday, honestly. Yeah. Uh, do you have any relationship with these movies, Dustin? 
No, not at all. I mean, as we'll get into it, this is a very, uh, all these movies are very white centric. And, um, they are, I, I, yes. I, the movies I grew up watching were also white centric, of course, because, you know, that's the 2000s, that's the late 90s, early 2000s. But wait, wait, wait. Um, but Genghis Khan is in this movie, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, as a, as a pig that like tries to like <laughs> get on women and abuse women. <laughs> uh, but. The movies I grew up watching, I didn't really get into like those '80s movies and stuff like that because my my dad didn't really watch those. I mean, I'm sure he's seen them, but he didn't show me those movies. You know, the movies I watched were like movies that my cousin would introduce me to, like like uh, slackers, not the Richard Linklater movie, but you know, the Jason Schwartzman slacker movie with the guy from final destination um i do not know what that is it's a uh, pretty great movie pretty it probably hasn't aged well but jason siegel's in it um derek sawa is that his name from final destination devin sawa devin sawa yeah, yeah he's in it. he's the main guy um i watched stuff like that in like american pie dude where's my car so similar lineage to bill and ted and whatnot more um, the like late 90s early 2000s yeah. slacker comedy rather than the 80s one yeah, Val Kilmer, uh, or no, no, Val, Van Wilder, not Val Kilmer, Jesus. Van Wilder, <laughs> one of those classics. Ooh, thank you, thank you. Um, oh, so what are you eating there, Pierce? Is that a Murray Calendar's chicken pot pie? <laughs> that is exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have some food right now, too. Don't mind me if I eat, please, or excuse me that I'm going to eat. I'm, I'm hungry. Don't oh, mind wow. me if I eat. I got some this udon a... with some Japanese curry. Ooh. Wee. Wow. This has been a, a a long day and a long record session, folks. So uh, forgive any munching, crunching, and luncheon sounds. Um, Ooh, don't subscribe if you don't want munching and crunching. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, we need all the followers we can get. But yeah, this was my first time watching Bill and Ted, and first time watching uh, all these movies. But producer Pierce, what about you? We haven't introduced you on the pod yet, but. Oh, he's introduced uh, himself. Rudely, uh, he's been introducing himself. Without being introduced, he's uh, just been talking up a storm. I did break the uh, very strict rules that Dustin and Yoke set for me before uh, recording, so I apologize for that. Uh, but yes, I uh, I have seen Bill and Ted love Bill and Ted's, and I have seen Batteries Not Included love Batteries Not Included. Oh, boy. I think is the only two. <laughs> Um, Pierce and I are going to agree on this episode. <laughs> uh, of right, course, so, of course, the, the Asian guy is going to be that line here. <laughs> as we talk about this, as these movies. Uh, it's going to be white boys. This, uh, the two white boys are going to be head of this pot up, but, uh, brother. That's my, uh, that's my Hulk Hogan impression. Yeah. Anyways, I'll say, uh, I, I only disliked one of these movies. Ooh, I'm interested in knowing what, which one it is. If it's Bill and Ted, I'm gonna cry. Then it's about to be an all-out brawl, especially because the next three years we're gonna be talking about Bill and Ted. Sorry, Dustin. What? Uh, what? So, I mean, if we're doing Keanu Month every year, we gotta do one one Bill and Ted every year. So should I not watch the sequels until then? It's up to you. I mean, if it, if you love this movie, so I mean, I'm gonna watch the sequels before we have to. So in if, reality, if we do it like that, then we have to do. Bill and Ted, the first one this year, second one next year, wait 15, 20 years, something like that, <laughs> into the podcast, and then do the last one. Uh, uh, I, mm, mm, not, not wrong. 
Hey, let, let, let's get into it. Let's, let's get into yeah, it. Let's right? get into it. Yeah. Okay. So, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, directed by I believe Stephen Herrick, uh, the same man who directed uh, a personal favorite of mine, The Mighty Ducks. But uh, that's that's for another day. Um, Bill and Ted follows two slackers, high school kids. Uh, they would be stoners in this day and age, but they're not in the eighties. Um, they are destined to become, uh, basically gods in the future because of their music, but, uh, because they're going to fail their history class, uh, the future sends back a prophet to take them through history, learn the best they can so they can pass their history exam and stay together to create the greatest band of all time. Dustin, I'm dying to know, what did you think of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Oh, no. what, what, do you, what do you think? What do you think? Just take a guess. What do you think? You, you loved it. Pierce, what do you think? I think that you might have either disliked it or you think that it's just fine. <laughs> I loved it. Of course I loved yeah! it. Come on. <laughs> yeah! Excellent! How can you not love this Thank movie? God. This movie it's just so it just fun. goes. It's just so much fun. Thank God! I'm yes. so happy to hear that. I love you, Dustin. I love you so much. I, I was watching it this morning. And I was like, Dustin's gonna fucking love. There's this no way movie. I'm not gonna like this movie. It is so funny. It's so fun. It's, it's so casual. But it, it's sorry. Go ahead, please. I we'll just get into. Just, let's just get into it right now. I mean, the the best thing about this movie is that Bill and Ted. They're not douchebags at all. They might be no. kind of dumb, but they're also like smart in their own ways. And they're actually, they're just pure of heart. They're pure of heart and they're just so fun to watch and exactly. so relatable. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like these days, these kinds of comedies, they the people are so flawed and so douchey because I think it adds edge or something. But, you know, we just want to see these two pure people having a good time. You know, if you watch something like, like 21 and over, it's like ugh, some of these guys are just annoying to watch. You know, it's like... They're focused on the partying, and Bill and Ted have like you they, want Bill and Ted to win so yeah, badly. you just you want them to succeed. They're just so and they genuine. Have purpose. They you, yeah. It, it opens with them playing. Well, it opens to begin with. Let's the beginning is trippy as hell. I remember. I literally remember being <laughs> a kid and being like, "What the fuck is this? It's like a a diamond screwing into into like the sky. You don't know what's going on, but it's the future." Uh, George Carlin comes in and explains how important Bill and Ted are, and then you see Bill and Ted just jamming in a good in in the garage. They're not do, coming across as douchey or something. They they look like they they are doing this for a purpose. They have a dream. They want to play guitar for their lives. They have heroes like Van Halen. Um, you see you see them go to school. I just I have only two. Uh, Two notes on this movie, just because I've seen it so many times. But I just my first note is how much I love the line uh, when the their history teacher looks at Ted and says, "Ted, who was Joan of Arc?" And Keanu brilliantly delivers, "Noah's wife." Yeah. <laughs> like one of the greatest lines of all time. Yeah, the lines, the the quote unquote dumb lines, are so smart in how stupid they are. Um. I, I mean, I'll just give props immediately to uh, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. Yeah. I, they're still working writers, and uh, I mean, they wrote this uh, a goofy a goofy movie. They wrote, or I think Ed Solomon wrote the "Now You See Me" 
movies. Yeah. Like, they're working writers still. Say what you will about all of their movies, but it's kind of incredible that they were able to create this franchise in their 20s. Um, and actually, Chris Matheson is the son of my personal favorite author, Richard Matheson. So, mm. uh, yeah, but I'm just very happy to hear yeah. that you love this movie. <laughs> and uh, Ed Solomon, by the way, he has two great podcast episodes recently that he did. Uh, one on Team Deacons, the Roger That's Deacons right. podcast. He's on that. That's a really good episode. And then this podcast called The Screenwriting Life. He was in an episode of that. Another really good episode. He just seems like a really cool guy. Just talking about his yeah. story, how, how they wrote this movie and how they got into the industry and how they stayed in the industry working and whatnot. They just seem like good guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's just, I guess, talk about a little bit about this movie. There's, it's, it's always hard to talk about a comedy, but mm. um, this is, I mean, this came, this probably was born out of the success of Back to the Future. So, mm. uh, I mean, there's a lot of these time travel movies. This um, Terminator. <laughs> Terminator actually came out before Back to the Future. Uh, what what's the there's the one that's that came out uh, of Francis Ford Coppola movie with Kathleen Turner I can't it's the same exact plot as Back to the Future but um, it, it, that came out of that I think this is the best of those movies born from Back to the Future um, especially just from a comedy standpoint but it also just shows how as we're talking about Keanu month it shows. Keanu's range and in a weird way how much Keanu is like uh gotten older mm. I didn't because re- everybody talks about how Keanu's ageless but watching this this time I was like holy shit he looks young in this yeah I mean the look sure but it's more just the feeling he has the yeah. way he carries himself there's so definitely a weight that he gets later on I mean this is was this is like his first or second big movie right and then he started doing more indie movies yeah yeah because this is before my private my uh, my own private Idaho mm-hmm. uh, I think it's before Parenthood or it's the same year but, yeah uh, like those like Bar- Parenthood and uh, Bill and Ted were his I think his breakout movies. And then he went into my own private Idaho. Um, and 1991 was point break and that and point break and Bill and Ted's bogus journey opened within two weeks of each other. So, I mean, That's cr- yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. Cause like, yeah, point break seems like such a different Keanu than what we see here. Well, and I, that's why. So at the end of point break, uh, Keanu has a short haircut or no, he has a longer haircut, and that's because they had to reshoot uh, the ending of Point Break, and he was shooting uh, Bogus Journey at the same time. Can so I? I uh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Oh. Go ahead. Uh, can I what just ask a question about, about about Bill and Ted? Dustin, what were you thinking going into? Were you like expecting to like this movie a lot, or were you not really sure? Like, how much did you know about it? I knew about the movie. Um, I didn't. My expectations were pretty. I feel like i was gonna like it just because you know it's a fun movie it's keanu it's a classic so I, I didn't i didn't expect it to be so fresh and fun honestly it really is weirdly like just like all the all the time travel how how loose it is how quickly they just get right into it and then just the stuff with napoleon the stuff with socrates and it's uh billy so the kid. it's just so funny so yeah so great it's just so <laughs> funny so many good performances in it too. Like yeah. all of the historical figures are 
The well, guy who plays Billy of, but... the Kid, I love. Yeah. Uh, like, I, that whole sequence of them going to the saloon and just, like, smoking cigars. Or Billy the Kid comes in, I need two men. Yeah. We're with you, Billy the Kid. And then, <laughs> Ted, you need a poker face like me. Whoa, I got a straight. Like, all yeah. of that is just so much fun. And it, it's it's wholesome. That's almost the best word for it is these two guys are just so wholesome and they love each other. Yeah. Like, and I love they're, – they're infectious about it too. You know, they infect the other characters and then the audience too. But I love when um, – Billy the Kid and Socrates, uh, they meet up, and then they're, like, playing pass with the football in the background, and Billy the Kid is, like, acting like he's in a duel and flips the football and stuff like that. Yep. That, that bromance happening in the background between those two characters is just so hilarious. And even for that matter, I mean, jumping ahead, but, like, the whole mall sequence, too. Oh, crazy. Of, watch, of watching, yeah, Socrates and Billy the Kid trying to pick up girls in, and in the Freud mall. And Freud comes in as well. <laughs> Freud comes in. Uh, Be- Beethoven, Beethoven is uh, <laughs> playing piano. Uh, Joan of Arc is leading a, a aerobics yeah. class. Like I, that movie comes to a com- uh, it comes to like a crescendo at that point. Where yeah, it's just complete chaos. And yep. I, I mean, because I've never really watched it. Um, from a critical standpoint, but you you do see, like you can pick all the plot points out or plot holes out you want. Like, how could they do all of this in two hours? Yeah. Like, uh, there's only forty five minutes left. How do they get to Napoleon? All that shit. But it doesn't matter because you're just along for the ride. Uh, you built you, um, you jump in with Bill and Ted, and if you love them, then who gives a shit what? What happens to the rest of the movie? You're just engrossed with them. Yeah. Uh, if you if you don't like them, then turn off the movie 15 minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say though the the this the sexism in this and the misogyny doesn't age well, but I mean that's that's the time period. You know, it's just so casual about. Yeah. You know the way women, the way men are, and the way they treat women and objectify women, and the whole like. It's funny that the stepmom is like was a senior when they were freshmen, but at the yeah. same time, like how all the like the teacher and like the much older dad like look at her and view her and stuff like that. It's a little weird. Yeah. That's the weird part, but the if if they cut that stuff out, like the joke with how she's flirting with the teacher gets creepy mm. and yeah. stuff like that. But um I do think it's still it's because I, I i went into this viewing being like "Ooh, it's gonna be kind of hard to talk about missy because that is mm-hmm. it's not a plot point but it's she has she does have not necessarily bigger parts but she's a, a, a part of the t- second and third movie but this one specifically i was like this is gonna be this is kind of weird but uh the, it's. I think the jokes still hold up when Ted is just kind of ribbing Bill and is like, "Remember when your mom, when your mom was a senior and we were freshmen? Remember when? Remember when I asked her to prom? Like it, it, <laughs> it's it, all it just funny. builds the character. It's yeah. all funny, yeah. And obviously, there's uh, there's the f bomb in it that doesn't hold up at all. We'll put that out there. Like I, that's not funny at all. Mm. But I don't know. Outside of that, that that it, that even just feels like 
the one of the only stumbles where yeah. these two characters have so much love for each other and then the weird fact that they're like homophobic just from <laughs> from hugging <laughs> like uh, whatever but uh other than that I, it's a near perfect movie to me yeah and then there's Not the even, part where Genghis Khan is introduced uh just uh, yeah. getting on top of a woman that is like feeding him and stuff like that. And it's then kind he's of lured away from a twink by a twink. Yeah. But I mean, basically, <laughs> I mean, it is saying what the whole point of uh, our history is, is that basically throughout history, men are pieces of shit. That's so. true. And all of, yeah, I mean, most of them are pieces of shit. They, they have the nice, uh, um, yeah, they have a lot of, they have good jokes, especially with like concerning history. I enjoy all the the Sigmund Freud jokes are actually kind of funny and like underlying humor, especially yeah. for a PG movie. I kind of keep forgetting just because comedy is so, um, like raunchy for the lack of a better term. But it every like comedies are only R rated now. To see a PG movie where. The worst thing they say, obviously, is the F word. But besides that, is like shit. It's pretty impressive, and all the jokes land. But uh, what else? Do I, I was just trying to think of any. Uh, there was a couple other uh, lines I was thinking of that I I loved, but um. Oh, and I don't know. Just the fact that uh, Socrates. Uh, is so wowed by Bill and Ted. I think it's just mm. a the first really uh, when he sees them him, walking up is hilarious. I laughed out loud. Well, and he, the fact that he's literally giving the same, he's giving a, a a monologue about how we're just uh, dust in an hour, or sand in an hourglass, and the mm-hmm. and Bill just immediately is like, yeah, philosophize with him. And he just says we're dust in the wind, and so and so Kratz is just wowed by that, and just immediately walks away with them. Yeah. Nobody has any questions there. Like so many people see the telephone booth, see them disappear. Some of them are like, especially in the Wild West, they're wowed. But once they disappear in the uh, in uh, in Greece. Nobody has any questions about it. They're like, okay, these are gods. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I, I think Napoleon's probably my favorite character in this movie because he's, he's so funny and what ha- happens to him and stuff like that. Going to that one Ziggy's place where the employees are like, Ziggy, 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 Ziggy. It's so funny. And then the water slide sequence is hilarious. It's just so good. And the fact that it's just called Waterloo, and yeah, that's how yeah. they know where to find them is. Uh, where, yeah. If I were Napoleon, where would I go? Waterloo, dude. <laughs> and well, and this is Bill and Ted is specifically what uh, I don't know scientists, but scientists say this is the closest approximation of what time travel is, uh, more than any other movie, essentially. But. Um, Until Tenet, they, which are the same time travel um, principles. Very, very What's true. happened? Happened. <laughs> and I mean, how do you feel about uh, George Carlin? I don't know much about George Carlin to be honest, but he was fun in this movie. Uh, again, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for you to see Bogus Journey because 
he has a little he has a different role in it uh these these trilogy actually stand on their own as separate movies which i appreciate more from bill and ted where the second movie is not just them we need to go on another time travel adventure each one is different in that sense but uh george carlin i i he was like i want to say one of the last choices to be in it um i'm just looking right now yeah, their in, their intention was to have Eddie Van Halen be oh wow, uh, be Rufus, and then it was also Ringo Starr, Roger Daltrey, Sean Connery, and Charlie Sheen, and they all said no, and then George Carlin said yes. But he's kind of perfect. He's not even trying hard in it, but he's the perfect, just low key, easygoing. Uh, guy that seems like he would be a a student of Bill and Ted almost. And, but you also understand he's an intellectual because that, that is his comedy in the, at at the end of the day is he's a much, he's the atheist intellectual. That's what he, his brand was in the seventies in a way. So, uh, he kind of applies it to this, but makes it much more friendly and, uh, susceptible, but, Oh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm very happy you love the movie too. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't even know what else to say about it. It's just a yeah, fantastic movie. It's just a good time. Because I think people should just watch it and gen- like, I don't want to give away all the jokes. There's yeah, I've I watching it this time. I've seen it within this year. I found so much more to laugh at this time around. I thought of this movie more as like a. Um, observ- not even an observational co- humor comedy, but like a, more of a situational comedy. I forgot how many laugh out loud lines there are. So I just, anybody listening that hasn't seen uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or hasn't seen it in a while, I, it's on HBO Max. I suggest watching it as soon as possible. So should we t- bring up the Keanu scale now then? <laughs> one One thing I will say though, before we do that, uh, I do think Alex Winter is wonderful in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I just because he is more of a director now, so mm. I'm happy he's found his own career that way. But I think he was really underrated, in, like from this movie. I think I don't. He's not necessarily supposed to have the same career path as Keanu because Keanu is his own guy. But as a comedic actor and like. Um, in some ways, the straight man. Some ways, uh, being bigger. Alex, Alex Winter's really good in this movie. Mm, their, yeah. their chemistry is fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like as a as far as best friend chemistry goes in movies, this might be top of my list. It very much so. It's up there with Marty McFly and Doc. I'd say <laughs> above it. Whoa. It's up there with uh, Robert Pattinson and John David Washington. <laughs> just time traveling with through time with each other. It's up there with Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Attack of the Clones. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Keanu. Sca- any well, anything you want to say about Bill and Ted, producer Pierce? Oh, I I mean that nothing that hasn't been said. Really, I think it's a fantastic movie. It is a weird movie to talk about because yeah, like if people haven't seen it. I don't want to ruin a thing. I I think that 
uh, people should go into this movie knowing nothing about it and just experience the whole thing. I think it's a wild like ride. It's a fun ride. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, very fun ride to just like sit down and let it take you away. I love this movie. It is also shorter than 90 minutes. It's an, it's 89 minutes long, so if that entices you, if that doesn't entice you, nothing else will. Um, and there's we'll probably post it on the algorithm uh, Instagram page. Pierce and I have a nice little cute pic of us trying to be Bill and Ted. Yeah, we do. We do. It's a great pic. <laughs> uh, Keanu Scale. People keep asking if I'm back. And I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah. Excellent! Keanu scale. Uh, what would you, what would you uh, rank this on the Keanu scale? Pierce was not entertained by that. He's just like, what the <laughs> fuck is he doing? <laughs> uh, this it's movie on Keanu scale, I think because Keanu is so young and fresh in this movie, it's not... It's like watching a Keanu Jr., you know? He hasn't ascended to what he gets to in Point Break and, like, speed and whatnot. He's not there yet. Just emotionally, maturity-wise, he's not there. So I think for me, there's, like, a a 7 out of 10 on the Keanu scale. He's he's great in it. He's great, but it's not the Keanu I know. He hasn't grown into that 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 god-like figure yet, you know? It like, hasn't quite bloomed. He's a budding Keanu at, yeah. at this point. yeah disagree (laughs) hey that's fine this is 10 (laughs) this is keanu at his prime this is where the scale is based off of you get multiple woes you get you get keanu saying excellent you get keanu smiling having a great time sure it's not point break keanu where he's you know mugging and and, and and trying his best to be a tough guy, but this is the Keanu I fell in love with. This is yeah. the, this is why I love Keanu. This is why I wanted to do Keanu most. <laughs> Bill and Ted Ted Theodore Logan is ten on my Keanu scale. That's that's the end of it. And I understand I I don't have any qualms with any disagreement. Of of course, but. Personally, this is where I fell in love with Keanu. This is, and another movie we may co- we may cover for another Keanu month or something else. But this is the comedy Keanu that I fell in love with and will love for the rest of my life. Ten. I can't argue with that. Hey, listen, eight. I can't argue with that. It's a great opinion. But to me, also, it's just like. I feel like the uh, historical figures, those guys stole the show in this That's one fair, for yeah. me. So it's like when I think about this movie, I don't think of it as a quintessential Keanu movie. Uh, it's just not, he's not the lead. He's not the main lead. He's not, it's not his story that he's, that we're with him every step of the way. So I guess that's another reason why it's I'll a bit be interested lower for me. S- I'll be interested to see how you feel about as we go through the series, though, too. Mm. Like his performances and like Bogus Journey. Spoiler, you don't, well, you don't get any historical figures. Uh-huh. You get other people, but 
You won't get any of them. Yeah, that one is much more Bill and Ted are the characters. I mean, there are other characters that really shine as supporting characters, but it's not like this where the other characters become main characters, yeah. sort of, for mm. different scenes and stuff like that. It's more of, it's their journey, and then... It's their focus journey. Support. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I think that this uh, this is actually a very interesting episode for the Kiana meter because I think it shows a little bit of a split where uh, uh, Zach here believes that ultimate uh, top tier Keanu is Keanu or Keanu comedy comedy Keanu and uh, and I think Dustin more considers action Keanu as the the and both are valid both are great opinions I think that it's just uh, you know it's an interesting split. And I don't think we even disagree necessarily on like there are other there like there's there is another ten Keanu movie for me that is not a comedy, but and I will not say what it is. Wink, wink, winky, winky. But uh, this <laughs> is just this is like the ten for this is one of two of the ten for me. I I base my scale for comedy Keanu on here. And for, it kind of melds in with action because you you get you even get a little bit of Neo in this movie in a way. <laughs> that is true. But, uh, what do you what do you think, producer Pierce? Yeah, uh, I think that hmm, it is difficult. I think that this is a nine because yeah. I think I I kind of agree with both of you. I think that this is really high tier Keanu, but I don't For think sure. that it's For quite sure. where Yeah, I think I, I I agree that he hasn't sunken into like what he is as an actor quite yet. I think that he's like doing an incredible job and he's very Keanu in this movie, but I don't think that he is like intentionally being I I don't think he's gotten to that point yet where he's like, "Oh shit, like this is what I'm good at." Like I'm going to really lean into this quite yet. Yeah. And it's weird to think about where he was in his career at this point because, like, the movie before this was River's Edge, I think. Mm-hmm. Or at least that was his, like, bigger movie before this where he plays, a, like, a troubled teen who, who's best, like, he knows his best friend murdered and raped a woman. And then he goes into this. Yeah, River's Edge is harsh. And then he goes That's into That's not Bill what I expected Ted. that movie to be about. No, it's, it, it opens with a naked teen dead <laughs> it's not fun and keanu is like this the centric character who's having to deal with knowing his friend did this and the cops like coming after him so where where he was for bill and ted was he was trying to do shakespearean acting mm. and he found his footing in this nice uh like buddy comedy and i think he completely not not changed where he was going but he found his niche going from comedy then to action. But we'll talk more about his... I think we'll talk more about his action career later. And we'll talk more about his Shakespearean acting uh, on a very soon ep. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we move on to... Batteries Not Included? <laughs> Batteries Not Included. Um, what do you think of this movie, Dustin? What do you think I think? Oh, no. You said you didn't like one movie. That's what's going to be hard. And I think it's this one. Here's the newest segment. What do you think Dustin thinks? (laughs) You didn't like this movie. Pierce, what do you think? I think you enjoyed this movie. 
split decision. This is the movie I did not like. No! Uh, I was wrong on both what do you think Dustin thinks. I texted Pierce this morning and said, this might be my new favorite movie. Are you serious? (laughs) I love this movie so much. Oh, my God. I hate old people, and I love this movie. (laughs) Maybe it's... uh... Maybe it's because I'm not white, honestly. Yeah, very this, fair, honestly. I'm, I'm serious. This is what I was thinking when I was watching. I was just like, I, I, I don't like watching these old white people and this like aggressive white man, and then seeing these minorities be painted, be painted as the villains, at least initially, and stuff like that. Exactly. And, and just the aesthetic of it all is just very like it's for people that grew up with white people looking at white type things. You know, it's just it's not my aesthetic. And I mean, I think the movie is objectively poorly lit. It's like not shot very well, objectively. Really? I, th- yeah, I actually really liked how it was shot. I, I hate mean, the it, way it looks like. There's the matte painting, obviously, and it, it, like it's, that. It's but just like I, the way they would, lit the diner and stuff. It's just like oh, it's just not, it does not look. Good. I liked it weirdly, but <laughs> I, I told I, I want to make make it clear too. Like I think the main I think so we've got a magical black guy. For yeah. one thing that I do not like that mm. that's the one thing that's one one of the things that doesn't make this like my favorite movie of all time but uh yeah if they even gave him the slightest bit more of a character like even earlier set up that he's a bo- ex boxer set up that he that like he had an injury that's why he's mm. a handyman but it they make him this weird character that's just hanging out in the background mm-hmm. and he doesn't have a voice he doesn't speak until he later he barely speaks that it's frustrating he and, heals the the dead robot yeah. fetus but then he also puts on boxing gloves and beats the person because he has to be violent exactly so like, <laughs> and the and so carlos or no yeah. see i'm even is his name carlos i'm pretty I, sure it's carlos yeah Okay, because like I could just yeah. be calling him Carlos, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Hispanic man. His name Carlos. is just Carl. You're <laughs> kidding? No. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I mean, his character I don't think was handled very well or with the sensitivity needed. I think I think the, my main problem with this movie is that it tries to play into too many serious subjects without giving them the proper time to do it. I mean, because you have the main old lady who has Alzheimer's who, you know, my grandma has Alzheimer's. So I've seen it up close and the way they portray it is like this kind of fun thing. It's like, okay, all these robots are here. So now all of a sudden she's like fine and cool. It's like, no, it's a terrible thing. Like it's sad at first, but then you realize that they don't actually do anything with it. It's that it, they don't delve into it at all. It's just kind of offensive to me. Um, That's fair. Yeah. And so it, just the fact that it's, it's at the heart of this movie, it's about gentrification. Exactly. And, yeah. But, but objectification also, of white people of white people by, exactly by a uh, person of color who which i get he's hired by a white person but they don't really portray the person hiring him as the main evil villain it, oh, he's because he's briefly on screen and they don't really push it they, they force all the bad actions on carlos yeah who i think is a great performance he does well in it but you know he's, it's not a good role I don't think. I, I get you. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I totally get why people do enjoy this movie, and I don't blame you for enjoying it. But for me, I just could not get into it. I was very bored by it, too. I thought the, the premise of really? it was just extended too long. I thought uh, I didn't like uh, the white guy who was. Uh, um, I loved him, the artist. Yeah, uh, I, I don't like the see, way he acted, I, and I don't like the relationship he had with the, the Latino woman, which is very, kind of aggressive and weird, and like he was just kind of 
I don't know. I didn't like the way is, he handled it. The the scene. So there's there's the scene when his ex girlfriend or his girlfriend at the time is hucking all of his art out the window, mm-hmm. and then she runs out and says like, "You never even you never <laughs> even painted me nude." Yeah, that, and then, that's kind of funny. But then the Latino woman like, um, I guess picked up all of his art and then stashed it in her apartment that's yeah. kind of that that's not kind of weird that's very weird yeah and and the yeah her relationship with him and like like she has a baby to... with another man and then all of a sudden they're like cozying up after a day or two and then it's like yeah. a little weird and um, I, that guy just... that guy uh i like his him as an actor he's in actually he's in better call saul uh pretty good role small role really in better call saul yeah and we'll see later on in uh, Earth Girls Are Easy, Michael McKean's in that. And, of course, he's in Better Call Saul, too. So, there's you know, we got you're, Better Call Saul stuff going on. You're taking on my fancy bone with Michael McKean. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> it it does feel like an extended episode of Amazing Stories. Have you ever seen Amazing Stories? No, but I, I read that that's actually what it was, and they just decided to turn it into a movie. Yeah, because it is a Brad Bird script. And then, um, I, it, so, Brad Bird... Didn't come up with the story. It was Mick Garris. Weirdly, I didn't know it was a Mick Garris story because he's Mick Garris is the guy who wrote uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and oh wow, uh, and then directed Poltergeist. But can um, I just say uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? What a what a movie! What a crazy movie! Uh, Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a couple curveballs here on this episode. But first one. <laughs> I have never seen a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. As a horror hound uh-huh. that I am, I've never seen a che- Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Me and uh, Fish just randomly decided to watch it Halloween morning this past year. Just, you know, that's nice. a great way to wake up. That's a great way to start your morning. It's just, <laughs> that that movie is pure 90 minutes of insanity. Like, it puts you into a psychedelic, insane state. But, you know, let's. I guess we'll get back to uh, the movies at hand. <laughs> but um, I will say, too, what I... We're not even. We haven't even talked about how there's aliens in this movie. But, oh yeah. Um, I want to say the I, I really like that there's uh, that guns aren't an aggress like they're not in this movie. Mm. None of the aggressors have guns, and I think that's I I learned this from uh, the Blank Check podcast. Plug them. But, Do they talk uh, about? Oh, because Brad Bird. They did a Brad Bird uh, series, but in their Iron Giant, I believe it's their Iron Giant episode. Uh, they talk about how Brad Bird's um, sister was murdered after the uh, he did the Family Dog episode, and he was like very anti-gun after that. That, so, that would make sense. Yeah, so I think this movie has a specific point not to have um, Carlos, who uses like a baseball bat and an axe. He doesn't use any guns. Like you would, you would expect that character to be an aggressor with a shotgun or something like that. Where he, rather than that, he's running in with an axe or a baseball bat, and it makes it much more uh, suspenseful in a sense. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the aliens too. I I, I want to hear what producer Pierce thinks about it though too, because I think he loves it m- maybe the most. I also said that it might be my favorite movie, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this movie is very fun to watch. I enjoyed watching it. I think that a majority of the characters are nonsense. I think that a majority of the story is nonsense. And I think that it's nonsense that I just really strapped in for and enjoyed all the way through. I I don't think it's necessarily like a fantastic movie, 
But I also think at the same time that it's a fantastic movie. Like, <laughs> it's a really like conflicting movie for me because in some ways I, I'm like, oh, this is like kind of a bad movie. And in other ways I'm like, but I'm just having so much fun watching it. I don't and, know why. Yeah. It might be. Yeah. Like Dustin said, like it's kind of made for us. You know, that's it's just one of those movies. It's made for two white guys that grew up in Spokane. And so that, it's, yeah. it's got that thing that we're just like, oh, this is made for us. This is nice to watch. This is cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I see its faults for sure. And definitely agree. I think, I think simply if, so if they remade this movie, just, it doesn't have to be two white people as, the, as the centric characters also the alzheimer yeah the all like having you, you don't even need uh, the alzheimer's just, plot. you don't need that because i i thought they were going to go something more with that with leading on more that they weren't going to believe jessica Hahn or i think it's jessica Hahn, whatever mm. but leading on that she wasn't um reliable to like wasn't reliable by saying that she saw the ufos but they disprove or they prove that within five minutes of her seeing those. But it's also mm. a very weird thing because it is like devastating. Like you it's watch devastating, it and yeah. it's so fucking sad, but then like the movie doesn't think it's sad. Yeah. Like the they, movie. Like I said, they just paint it lightly. It's just like, yeah. oh, she's all good. She has these robots, these kids, and now now she's okay. But it's like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, and when you watch it, like it's sad. It's so sad to watch, but then yeah, the movie's just like, yeah, but isn't that gr- like isn't that kind of silly and fun? And it's like, no, it's not. And they have the little they have little like hints and t- like just glimpses of something bigger like where she she uh she's um she thinks her son feeding, is still alive. Or she, well, she thinks her son is still alive and is feeding Carlos because he thinks or yeah. she thinks he's his son. And they don't really delve more deeply into that. They yeah. kind of at the, do at the end when he saves her from the building catching on fire. But yeah, it's I, you know, it's qu- it's way too quickly uh, resolved. In that yeah. sense, you know what it is. I think it's that they're they're saying here's Alzheimer's and like here's Alzheimer's is something you do on purpose to forget your trauma is kind of what the movie is saying, but that's not how Alzheimer's work. Alzheimer's is something that you cannot control. You cannot stop. And it just destroys your life and your relationships with other people. So it's like, I don't, the movie did not need that. They could have taken that out and it would have been completely fine. And that was Um, another semi note. Not sorry to interrupt you, but uh, like a, something I took note of, of how much I didn't like that. Um, it seemed like finding these UFOs was curing her Alzheimer's. Mm, like yeah, all of like, a sudden what? she yeah, she just is lucid and is mm-hmm. not having these hiccups anymore. Because there's yeah. even that scene there's that scene when um you find out that the UFO that the UFOs are helping uh run the diner and mm-hmm. they make a they make a burger um the wrong way. And I literally was like, is that a joke about her alzheimer's that she doesn't know how to make a uf or she doesn't know how to make a burger anymore but no it's just played off as a joke that the ufos think that a a burger is stacked with the patty on the top Mm -hmm. but anyways yeah yeah, it's uh, i totally uh understand your Mm. disagreements there uh yeah (laughs) i like um i like uh when uh 
when the art artiste, the artist, is uh, freaking out because the the girl went back with her boyfriend or whatever, and he like goes have a smoke and like drinks and comes back drunk, he just drinks a whole bottle yeah, and, of wine. and like meanwhile the the little baby robots are trying to fly, and he comes into the apartment. He's like, you know what happens when birds learn to fly? They leave the nest. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes in, into his or into the apartment. She's like, I was writing you. You were gone so long. I was writing you a note. What does it say? Don't read it out loud. <laughs> Dear, what's his Whatever his name is. Dear Pierce. That's it? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, a, that's great. Yeah. But and then it, she's like, you need someone to paint. And then <laughs> like, they're, like, they, they're yeah. together. <laughs> I, I, again, I, I totally understand your qualms. And I have them too. I uh-huh. I don't like that it's a story about gentrification against white people yeah but uh, i for like the amblin movies of the 80s uh, this is on my higher tier personal yeah i mean i didn't hate this movie but these problems i've talked about just got in the way of me being able to enjoy it at all this is Um, like one of the weird one-offs that i like one-off movies that i i think would benefit from a remake mm. like if you had a um like people of color being gentrified and had the building maybe even have the building more full of people or something like that yeah and i mean if they did that did it like that then the robots couldn't be aliens it had to be one of the people of color using their own resources to make these robots that heal the neighborhood basically it had to be like that. it can't be some outside source saving these gentrified yeah, people of color still you know so but yeah i mean yeah whatever but how does this relate to bill and ted Came out around the same time. Just like a science fiction yeah. comedy for the most part. And it, I was surprised by how serious the movie was, though, too. Yeah. Like, this is like uh, PG or something. And then there's like yeah, nude paintings. There's violence. Yeah. There's robots fucking. Um, I was surprised it's, by it's, how much money this movie made, too. Did, how I much did it make? It made like $45 million on like mm. a $20 million budget. So, I mean, it was like a moderate hit. Yeah, and I expected it to be like a a flop essentially, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and then yeah, because like the director, I was looking up um, who who he was. If you give me one second, uh, he just had a intre- like this is one of the only movies he directed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he seemed to be a student of uh, Spielberg's. Huh. Let's see. I don't think um, people. If they like Bill and Ted, I don't think if HBO recommended this to them, people would necessarily like this movie. And I was I, way I off too. I don't Sorry, think they're very similar in tone, or just, of course, not in concept yeah. either. But just like the humor's not the same. The seriousness of it really sours the comedy elements of it. I think. Yeah. But so I was wrong. It was made for twenty-five million dollars, and it made sixty-five mm. in nineteen eighty. That's fucking nuts. But uh, and then it was directed by Matthew Robbins. So he, I mean, he co-wrote uh, the Sugarland Express, which is Spielberg's first movie. So he was basically working with Spielberg his entire career. And um, I mean, he's only directed a couple movies. One of them being The Legend of Billy Jean, which is kind of insane. But it, it's not like he made anything. Or at least directed anything of of note, and now he's just uh, writing movies with 
uh, Guillermo del Toro. So just like, yeah, he like, he co-wrote or at least, or maybe he wrote by himself, uh, don't be afraid of the dark crimson peak and the, uh, Pinocchio movie that, Hmm. uh, del Toro is supposed to make. So interesting weird career, but yeah. Anyways, batteries not included. Uh, should we, uh, move on? Yeah. Um, let's talk. You want to talk about time bandits? Um, the second curveball, uh, I've never seen a Terry Gilliam movie. Oh. Yeah, this is you my first one. You haven't even seen 12 Monkeys? or For such a socialist fuck I am. I've never <laughs> seen a Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Uh, I was, throughout the whole movie, I was like, oh, so we should do an episode on Brazil. But, oh, um, yeah. We should. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, and I feel like I would appreciate it a lot more. Um, uh, yeah, I would. I'm. We'll put that in the notes. Yeah, but, yeah. For uh, for me, Terry Gilliam, I've only seen a handful of his movies, and he's always hit and miss for me. I I think sometimes his aesthetic I really enjoy, you know, Brazil, Twelve Monkeys, but sometimes I think it's just a little too off putting for me. Um, his um, Baron Munchausen movie, uh, Imaginarium with Doctor Parnassus, The Zero Theorem with Christoph Waltz. Sometimes it's a little too. His dystopia is a little, uh, and just his aesthetic kind of make me sick in a way. I don't know. I feel it's like, like that's the latter. Nightmarish to me. I feel like that's the latter. Uh, well, no, I from what I know about Brazil and everything, mm. it's very just doward, uh, mm. dystopian world. But uh, it seems even more narcissistic in his later movies for, like, The Zero Theorem, etc., for a dystopian mm. world. But... Because I, I weirdly do not, and uh, granted, I will say right now, I really like Time Bandits. But, I really um, like it too. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I Yeah, I really like Time Bandits, but uh, growing up for being a comedy fan, I weirdly just never liked, uh, uh, why can't I think of Monty Python? Mon- yeah, Monty. Thank you. Monty Python. Mm. I've never been a Monty Python fan. Uh, I just kind of, I think it was the uh, pretentious part of me where I was like, <laughs> mm, I, I'm more of a human giant fan. Uh, but yeah, I just never really got into Monty Python, uh, anything like that. So I just was kind of turned off by seeing anything Terry Gilliam made, but especially after seeing uh, time bandits, I'm way more interested in seeing uh, Brazil. Um, even the Don Quixote movie that he, uh-huh. that, what took fucking 40 years yeah. to make, but uh, you got to watch money Python and the Holy grail. Again, I, that's the, cause that's the only movie I've really seen of Monty Python. And I was like, mm. I, I think, it, I think it, in the same way that, um, I mean, I, I can't necessarily think of a comedy that is ruined by people, but maybe Wayne's World for some people or something, where they have all the jokes ruined for them ahead of time. Oh, I think yeah. the same thing is uh, is with Monty Python, where I, I knew about uh, the coconuts the coconuts doing the, <laughs> uh, the, horse, the horse tramples, and... Uh, the dude getting all his limbs all cut off. I, I'm butchering those jokes, but mm. I knew about all of those going in. So it's kind of lesser to me, but yeah. it definitely makes me want to revisit Monty Python. It makes me want to see what Terry Gilliam has. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's I, undeniably a talented director, but I think in this movie you see a little bit of it, but I think sometimes he becomes a little self-indulgent in some of his sequences and the pacing kind of mm. is a little slow and you get a little bored by it. Um, it happens a couple moments in this movie, but I, I think overall I did really like Time Bandits. I think as a time travel movie, there's there's a lot of similarities with Bill and Ted and yeah. just the concept, going to historical figures, Napoleon's in both of them. Um, I think... I think the this movie the main character is the kid though who is kind of he doesn't he's kind of already a fully formed character where so he doesn't have much growth to do and not and he's just kind of like the savior in every sequence in a way which I think is kind of makes it kind of weak as opposed to Bill and Ted where Bill and Ted are just trying to figure out and they're all constantly working and this kid is kind of he doesn't have much of a personality and he's already just like a history buff. He knows all the solutions to these things. He's always coming up with smart solutions. So, I don't know. I think this movie's a little weaker than Bill and Ted in that regards. And also, um, I mean, the humor's different. There's a bit more weight to this one. But it's, it's still a really silly, fun movie. Especially, I was surprised by that, yeah. yeah just I how mean, silly it is. Yeah, some of the sequences are hilarious. Like, the whole Robin Hood with John Cleese as Robin Hood is just hilarious, the way he plays that. Um and then the bit with on the Titanic where like uh, um, Shelley Duvall, <laughs> the thing yeah, with Shelley yeah. Duvall is funny. Um, yeah, and just the uh, the character of evil personified as evil. It's just he has some really funny things he says and whatnot. He railing against uh, what God has created. Like why waste his time on like nipples and stuff like that when he could be, uh, you know, appreciating technology. I kind of like how this movie is very anti-capitalist, very anti-consumerism. That's- uh, that it's, was the like one of the only mo- notes I made was I yeah. love how much anti camp capitalism is all over yeah. this movie with a bunch of arts and the fact that he's like he is red he is just the personification of like red and capitalism yeah. and that is evil and it's just so mm. anti that and yeah yeah and uh, it, well sorry continue with what you were saying though because I know oh I don't even know. Um... Yeah, I just it's a fun movie. It's uh there's a lot of good stuff in it. It is like a kids movie. It feels yeah, like it's, <laughs> I, it's, I literally felt like it was it, it it could have been like a Harry Potter for the 80s essentially, but it's way too uh I think it's way too dark to be a kids movie, honestly. Well, the fir- so the first note I made was why why isn't this a like more well well regarded kids movie? And mm. then in the first five or like first ten minutes, a bunch of little people beat up a child. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's why." Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's weirdly dark in that sense. But and you know the I ending, mean, um, the parents just blow up, and then the movie ends. It's quite the, the movie an insane ends movie with Sean Connery winking at a child as his parents disappear. And I mean, we're supposed to kind of be happy because yeah, he, they, he had the existence of his parents. Or his parents were awful to him, but where is this kid going to go? It doesn't <laughs> it, even end with, like, Sean... I was literally thinking, oh, so this firefighter is just going to, like, adopt this child, or uh, the little people are going to, like, come back and take them, take him with them, <laughs> but it ends with he's just a like, child oh, watching his kid, his parents disappear, and then... Yeah, poof, <laughs> they just explode. Um, yeah, so pretty crazy... Uh, <laughs> Crazy ending, but I mean, what's your favorite sequence in this movie? I and mean, there's a lot of crazy sequences throughout this mm. whole movie. Hmm. 
That's that is hard. I guess I really liked the sequence on the ship with the ogre and <laughs> his wife. That's fun, yeah. Just like how uh literally the ogre like his so you have an ogre and his human wife and the human wife is more devious and evil than the ogre is in a way. She's mm, the one that's yeah. saying we need to cook these people up and eat them and yeah. and everything and then uh, the ogres just got some back problems, and you know, <laughs> and they just yeah, and they stretch them out and throw them mm. overboard. He's yeah. like, oh, it's just good for my back. Yeah, it's it's very um, it, it, it similar similarly to Bill and Ted. It feels kind of like you're writing for sketch comedy in a sense, mm. where yeah. you have these vignettes, and as, as you were saying with uh, Terry Gilliam's direction, it. It, it some of the moments linger too long, and I think mm. that's the signs of a sketch writer where yeah. he's putting in those little jokes that um, would be great for a one-off sketch for a nice like five to eight minute sketch. Yeah, but once you're putting it in a two-hour movie, it just sits a little too long. Yeah, right? yeah, and when you're jumping from point to point, sketch to sketch, the audience gets a little. Um, they're like a little whiplash and they kind of have to reset all the time. So it feels longer to them. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, that said, Bill and Ted, I think, pulls that off much better. I think it feels yeah. like a much more cohesive movie. Um, it's just the, I mean, Bill and Ted flows like beautifully. And mm. like I was saying, I, for, I didn't realize, I forgot and I also didn't realize how many just one-liners there are in Bill and Ted yeah. versus uh time bandits you're not really laughing at what they're saying as much as what they're yeah. doing so. yeah and uh bill and ted as uh, they have a clear goal i i wasn't maybe i missed but i wasn't sure what the the little people's no, goal was at all and like the kid doesn't have a goal he just wants to see some history so it's like I didn't really, without a goal you don't really have anything to hold on to yeah i didn't really understand why the kid was with them either yeah like, yeah i don't yeah i didn't really understand what the little people were doing with the map at all, really, either. I know they're trying to get away from evil or whatnot, but... Well, and that they took it because they were they were working for the creator or whatever. Yeah, they, the supreme being. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, I th- that last act is cool, though, in that castle thing, with, which was made of, like, Legos, basically, you know, the capitalist yeah. consumer product. Um, pretty funny stuff. Um, yeah, It was very I much like the architect in uh, Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix, <Yoda>. yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. oh, wait, we shouldn't be. I shouldn't give away too much because that's a later episode. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I the when when the when supreme being came, I was like, oh, so this is the architect. Yeah, <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> essentially, the architect is way cooler though. Oh, that that guy is no. Classic. no. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So time bandits. I guess the the similarities being. The time travel ladies movie, Napoleon. Um, mm. it, the the kid is kind of a Bill and Ted surrogate in a sense. Yeah, um, but he's kind of a loser compared to Bill and Ted. Because uh, Bill um, and Ted, no, everybody's a loser compared to Bill <laughs> and Ted. Yeah, uh, this movie is very anti-capitalist. I think Bill and Ted kind of plays into the fun consumerism, you know, with the whole mall sequence and stuff like that. Yeah. It plays into the fun of consumerism, which I'm I'm fine with and you know, the Waterloo water park, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And yeah, that is that's a great point of how 
important the mall is to Bill and Ted. Where like, yeah. what's the one place where we can take all these uh, mm. historical fi- figures to that's gonna change their life? Yeah, let's take them to the mall. That's <laughs> it. That's America right there, baby. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, overall good movie though. Yeah, enjoyed I'm, it. I'm, like I said, I really want to do an episode on Brazil or something like that. Yeah, one that'd of be good. one of Terry Gilliam's movies because mm. uh, I I knew that he was an anti. Uh, capitalistic director but after seeing what he did for a kids movie <laughs> in that sense i'm like okay show me brazil so i can mm. fucking excuse me um you can you can bleep this <laughs> if this is too much producer pierce but um, hey this isn't a kids I, podcast I, I well my mommy and daddy listen sometimes oh, uh, okay. uh i i would i would watch a a, a joy video of brazil if it's a, this is anti-capitalistic anyways um We've got our oh, final movie, uh, huh? Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say I like the part with Sean Connery too as King Agamemnon. Oh yeah, it was I, fun. That might actually, yeah, I kind of, I didn't say so. I think that actually might be my favorite. No, nah, not <laughs> not my favorite sequence, but there's something about how like loving Sean Connery is in that mm-hmm. that I really yeah. enjoy. Is yeah. he's you don't see Sean Connery give warmth very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, He's like adopting a kid, basically. Which yeah. I was curious if that's Greek mythology. If uh, I mean Greek mythology yeah, says that sure. even the gods have weaknesses. I mean, think about it. But yeah. think about it. I, that fight with the Minotaur was pretty cool. Uh, it's a great fight, and but because I didn't know, I don't know. I can't think of his character's name off the top of my head, but I know he's a Greek figure. Yeah, I, I believe I that was King Agamemnon. I think that was Troy, the city of Troy, I yeah. believe. Um, and I think he's the one that stole Helen of or Helen. Oh, no, no, no. I, you know, I don't even know. I don't want to talk about it because I, yeah. I don't actually know. I'm getting I, my facts I'm, confused right now. I'm more just interested if there's like a part of Greek mythology where he was supposed to adopt a child or something. Oh, like yeah. That. Yeah, I'm not sure. If you have any questions, you know, uh, you can DM us at at the pol- at the algorithm pod. Or if you have any questions about Greek mythology, uh, there's a beautiful song called "Bloody Sock" by the Pumpkin Pie Shakes. I'll edit that so it sounds like I got it right, <laughs> and I knew our own song. <laughs> All right. Anyways, let's talk about uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. Wild, wild movie. <laughs> insane movie. Which is the Which, movie that I thought you weren't gonna like? Oh, I I enjoyed this movie quite a lot. I enjoyed the first half more than I did the second, though Same. I will say. But Same. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I, I what what is this I, movie about, Yoke? Can you tell oh us what this boy. movie is about? <laughs> well, Earth Girls Are Easy is, I guess, I'm gonna pull up the Wikipedia page. Yeah, I mean, just but, based off the title, I thought I was gonna hate this movie, but this movie's actually. Title. Uh, a strong female character who's like exactly. pretty fully formed and written by a, a female, uh, mm-hmm. a female writer in the eighties who managed to also be in the movie, which is very inc- in- impressive. Who was but, she? Uh, Julie Brown. So she was um, Candy, I think was her name. She was the uh, Gina Davis's friend. At yeah, the nail salon. Yeah. The Riley Keough stand-in. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Earth Girls Are Easy doesn't even have a, a basic plot synopsis on 
uh, Wikipedia, but pull it out of your ass, basic, man. What's it about? Yeah, the basic plot of it is Gina Davis plays a uh, nail salon worker who is engaged to a piece doctor, of shit, a piece, a doctor piece of shit, and um, basically has had enough with him when suddenly three aliens uh, crash land in her pool. Um, she decides to um, house them, basically, and help them out as uh, they try and repair their ship. Yeah, and, and these uh, aliens are not any uh, regular aliens. These aliens are hunks. They're, someone may say Bigfoot hunks. They appear at first uh, More like completely big hairy. hunks. Uh, mm, and not as big as Sean Connery's dick in Time yeah. Bandits. Oh, yeah. That, that bulge that. is pretty pretty incredible. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you got Jim, a young Jim Carrey. <laughs> who I did not recognize. I was like, and I did not know really? who was in this movie. I was like, oh. I was like, uh, is that Jim Carrey? Is that Jim Carrey? And then they took off the makeup. And I was like, oh, that's Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, and Jeff Goldblum are the three aliens. Um very weird too because so you got Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans who were at the time stand up comedians and two years later were on um In Living Color. I was watching this, I figured that they were already in In Living Color because like ninety five percent of this cast are sketch comedians, but they did this movie and then did it in Living Color. So I mean interesting fact for any comedy fans out there but uh yeah you have those three hunks um and they're and horny they want to get laid they I mean, want they some s- earth women pussy it op- <laughs> it opens with them basically saying we want babes yeah and it, while they're in space but and then and where do you Gina- go for bur- where do you go for babes valley uh, girls valley girls baby. san fernando valley uh which Hey, you know you know better than I do. Obviously, you you live in the area. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. It looks like this movie. Does it? Oh, I'm sure. Does it really? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, the what really surprised me about this movie is that it's actually kind of it's a semi musical. There's yeah, musical I, numbers <laughs> in this. And crazy. I. Personally, I am a very big musical fan. Um, it does this enter my favorite musicals of all time? No, but I really do. There are only love, like three or four songs, though, I think. But I love movies that do that, where there's only three or four songs, and they're they're not explained why people are breaking out into song and dance. They're not bringing too much attention to it. It's just... How do we explain how this person's feeling? Let's let's fucking throw in a song. Yeah, I don't like that Gina Davis doesn't sing at all, <laughs> but that's the fine. Uh, the one song about blonde girls is I like that song. I, I that was my least favorite part. <laughs> um, it was kind of creepy to look at. I mean, also when you think about um, how America, especially during that time was like, oh, blonde girls are the top, the most beautiful thing. Blonde girls basically meaning white girls, white women are the most beautiful thing. Yeah. And then you have all these blonde white people. I thought it was like, is this an Aryan Nation type thing when I was watching it? Because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is kind of scary. 
that's uh, that's my only problem with that. But, I thought um, it was more as an ironic thing because the the whole thing of her, which I also don't like the stereotype of blondes being stupid, but yeah. the fact she was bringing attention like I don't even know how to spell it kind of thing. Yeah, I I liked that, but I yeah. And then there's this line. It's like I'm gonna be a veterinarian because I love kids. It's funny, but I, it's, yeah. it's funny. But um, I it, overall, it's it's just a weird. It's a movie that would never be made today. No, I'm in, I'm surprised that this movie exists at all. And it's also like rated PG. And there's like so many shots of just Gina Davis in skimpy outfits and just like very skimpy women. You know, well, and we throughout say- this whole movie. We're, we're, I mean, yes, she is in skimpy outfits too, but the fact that she is at this, at the center of it, a stronger female character who doesn't take, who's growing past her doctor, uh, fiance cheating on her and like learning, learning that and dealing with it and then evolving past it. Yeah. Well, well, but then see the, the big point where the movie almost falls apart is because Gina Davis almost goes back to the doctor at some mm-hmm. point, when she he's like, let's Which get married. Which kind of comes out of the blue. Yeah, I was like, this movie does not work anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't want her to do that, and you can't root for her at all. So it's like, it's a little weird. Um, I'm pretty sure the half, uh, the second half, they just did not know what to do with it, and they like rewritten, rewrote it and stuff to change it, because it doesn't really work after the halfway point. Yeah, there's like, yeah, there's three, three writers on it. So you have Julie Brown, who we talked about already. Did the original scripts. So I'm, I'm, I would assume... It, there, there's probably a separate. There's a different script with a different third act, I would assume, and then yeah. they brought in two guys to write it. But yeah, of course, um, as usual. But it's also I, I have a feeling that Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum like made this movie happen because they were, they were. A, like the power, the Hollywood power couple when this movie mm. was made. Oh, I didn't realize they were together. Yeah, they so they were together right after the so this is after the fly, and they I think they got together during the fly, and uh, yeah this so uh, yeah so they <laughs> they did Transylvania six six five thousand together in nineteen eighty five which is a weird ass movie with Jeff Goldblum and Ed Begley Jr. and Gina Davis. And then in 1986, they did The Fly, which was huge. And then they got together. They were married. And uh, and then 1986 was Beetlejuice, Earth Girls Are Easy, and The Accidental Tourist, which Dina, Gina Davis won an Academy Award for. So it's basically like they had the power to do anything. And I assume they read the script and were like, fuck yeah, we're, we're going to do whatever we can to make this movie. But, uh, yeah, it's, like we said, it, I don't think there's any chance it would, something like this would be made again. No. But uh, it's it's up my alley for the most part. It's, out yeah. of all of these, it, eh, it, I don't know. It, it's just because of the third act, it might be my least favorite out of all of these so far. But mm. I still enjoyed it quite a bit. And yeah. more even just for how weird it was. Yeah. And... I respected it for that. The plot mm. is whatever. Like uh-huh. at the end of the day, the plot's just uh, linear and very, uh, especially once they you you watch like the fish out of water stuff with the aliens yeah. going to a club and 
She falls in love with the Jeff Goldblum alien. A crazy dance battle in this movie. Oh, but you have, exactly, you have a dance battle. Marlon Wayans is a fucking hunk in it. He's, it's great. Jim Carrey's tonguing down a lady. Yeah. And like, it's fun. I I had a good time with it. Yeah. And you have Michael McKean as a surfer, bro. That's the other thing I was going to say, too. Hilarious. Because that was... what I was thinking too, where I don't know where they found these people. I, they must have just scoured uh, like the LA comedy scene at that time. But so you have Michael McKeon and Charles Rocket, who were both SNL alumni at that point. Then you have Jim Carrey and Marlon Wayans, who did In Living Color just two years later. Uh, and then you have like, uh, let me even just look at the. The list, but basically everybody in it was in one way or another doing sketch comedy besides Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. So they, they, it makes me happy that somewhere out there, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum in the 80s were just sitting in a UCB theater and just laughing their butts off and being like, well, I need to put this guy in a movie. <laughs> As somebody who is aspiring to maybe one day go into sketch comedy, it, makes me very happy so uh but yeah that's uh, i mean anything else you have to say about earth girls are easy um yeah i think in relation to uh bill and ted i think there's just a common thread during this time of this casual misogyny um it's <laughs> yep. just you know the objectification of women but again like we said gina davis at the center of this movie is a pretty strong female character and well-rounded until she like you know almost takes back the doctor but yeah the uh, yeah just the <laughs> I, I guess fact that we're following thinking, three aliens that wanna just bang women is just the fact that that movie exists and succeed. yeah yeah it's uh it's just weird but <laughs> i would love to see the version of this movie where the aliens cannot like bang women if if they were just like they shaved them and they looked worse after you oh. shaved, shaved so them So there's just three aliens that and are ugly. Just, it's, and just... like, it's like a Seth Rogen comedy or something. <laughs> they're like, oh, 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 we can't get these Earth girls. <laughs> it's uh, the guy and, from uh, the Star Wars guy. The Do the voice, do the voice. Uh, oh, the Watto. Annie, oh, I can't make <laughs> Earth girls are not so easy, Annie. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, your mother, she's not so easy. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, <laughs> yes, that'd be a great movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they come in and they have wings and they all look like uh, Watto. You should do a comedy <laughs> sketch where there's a Watto trying to pick up girls. Like, oh, why can't I get women? Honey? I shaved on my chest. Jewish stereotype, Annie. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> yeah, I think really the core reason why this is recommended too is it's just a sci-fi comedy of the yeah, 80s. Yeah, same year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it the same year too? I think it's the same year or the year after or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was just like I would like I had brought up. That's I think after Back to the Future was so successful, all of these sci-fi comedy uh, scripts came to the forefront, and 
they ended up being successful, but didn't really have a lot of like staying power. I think, uh, holy shit. Yeah. Like this movie was a complete flop. Hmm. It made 3.9 million on a $10 million budget. Uh, I, understandably I don't know who so. approved those, those costumes, those alien costumes, these furries, Power Ranger uh, furries. It's so weird and off putting. Oh, it's weird as hell. It, like who, what studio did it too? I don't even know what studio. Uh, oh, they're probably. Yeah, they're gone. Vest. Yeah. Vestron Pictures. <laughs> this movie would probably bury them. Oh yeah, filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy and went out of business in 1991. Oh, that's a couple of years after this. Oh, and then it and then it became Lionsgate. So. Oh wow. That that makes sense. <laughs> but and then also. Uh, was produced by uh, Dino De Laurentiis, so hey, boy, he's a <laughs> bad boy, bad boy. But <laughs> how do you rank these four movies? Mm, I mean, Bill and Ted obviously number one. Yeah, Bill and Ted's masterpiece essentially. Uh, got Bill and Ted. Uh, oof. Mm, uh. I don't like say ba- it. I don't. I don't like saying it. But it's okay. It's okay. It's but okay. batteries not included is probably my number two. Time bandits number three. Very very contentious between the two, just because of the anti capitalism in uh, Time Bandits makes it yeah. so much better. Also, but, Time Bandits is uh, it reminded me a lot of The Hobbit too. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But uh, and then obviously Earth Girls are easy. Not my number four, but. I still really like it. So, what about you? Yeah, uh, Bill and Ted, then Time Bandits, then Earth Girls Are Easy, and then Batteries Not Included. Me, fair enough. Yeah. Pierce, uh, only seen two of them, but uh, Bill and Ted miles above the rest. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> miles above the rest. <laughs> All uh, right, what do you got? What are your Bill and Ted recommendations? Personal recommendations. So first off, uh, I have. A movie that I watched this week in anticipation of maybe recommending it. And I, in fact, fucking love this movie. It's a 80s, uh, 80s comedy called Inner Space, starring Martin Short and Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Um, Dennis Quaid plays a um, an astronaut that is now, you know, struggling is like a drunken shit. And he volunteers to be shrunken down and um, basically put in like I don't even remember he's he's gonna he's basically shrunken down he's gonna be put into a bunny or something and then um, the experiment is uh, disrupted by a sleeper cell agent that shoots up the place and um, a scientist takes Dennis Quaid while as he's shrunken down. And injects him into uh, Martin Short, who plays a uh, convenience store worker who is a hypochondriac. And then Dennis Quaid basically disrupts his body throughout the movie. Jesus, a, what were the people in the 80s on? What kind of um, drugs were they doing? Dire- directed by my one of my personal favorite directors, Joe Dante, mm. um, director of Gremlins 1 and 2, Mozzabella. Uh, as well, you know, he, he's 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 a ten out of ten director in my opinion. But uh, also, if you have Martin Short in anything, I'm a huge fan. Uh, one of the best live performances I've ever seen is Steve Martin and Martin Short uh, live. 
but uh it's just it's a very fun 80s movie of uh it, it it's a sci-fi it, you you think it's like a incredible shrinking man 50s sci-fi movie and then you mix it with um uh, like Martin Short just doing some stellar physical comedy. So Interstellar or <laughs> Interstellar, <laughs> Interspace, Interspace is my first recommendation. Um, my second one is uh, a little movie called Clue, a 1985's Clue. Um, fun fact: uh, I pretty much watched or fell in love with this movie because of Bill and Ted and Back to the Future. Because uh, Clue does star. Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum and features um, the woman who plays Joan of Arc in a small role. And I found out about Clue because of her. But uh, Clue is based off of the board game, obviously. You got Colonel Mustard, Professor Plum, uh, Miss Scarlet, uh, Mr. Green, Miss White, etc. About, what, seven strangers uh, go to a mansion where... Uh, They all have something in common with the owner, known as Mr. Body, and uh, they don't know what it is, but he is mysteriously murdered, and they have to find out who murdered him. Uh, It's very, very funny, and it still holds up as a weirdly um, just dark, not even dark comedy, but very um, straight comedy. Also features uh, Michael McKeon in the first role I've ever seen him in, but He's incredible in that movie. Uh, and it's supposed to be remade. It's been rumored for years. Um, last heard of it, Ryan Reynolds was talking about remaking it, which <laughs> doesn't make me happy at all, but we'll see. Uh, but Clue, that's my second uh, recommendation. And my third and final, or, yeah, my third and final recommendation uh See, I have, I have two here. I'm going to have to... Okay, I'll, I'm going to recommend uh, a personal favorite of mine, a classic comedy horror movie of the 80s, The Lost Boys, uh, featuring Bill Bill Esquire, Bill, yeah, whatever, Bill himself, Alex Winter, as a vampire. But The Lost Boys follows uh, two teenage brothers that... Uh, moved to San Dimas, California, otherwise known as the murder capital of the world. And San Dimas uh, is actually also where Bill and Ted takes place too. That I could just be saying that because oh, I have I see. San Dimas on my mind. <laughs> don't, don't quote me on that. Um, uh, yeah, that's probably why. Uh, but they moved to a California town, and um, the older brother is. Uh, Becomes a half vampire, and they try. That's Kiefer Sutherland, right? Wrong. That's Jason oh. Patrick. Kiefer Sutherland plays the head. Well, plays the head of the teenage vampires oh. and turns Jason Patrick into a vampire. Oh. Um, and it's all about them trying to get him to turn back into a human and kill off these uh, all of these vampires so you have Kiefer Sutherland as the main main vampire and then Alex Winter is uh one of his vampire crones very Mm. good uh honestly uh I am a very big Corey Feldman fan I'm Mm. not proud to say that but he's incredible in that movie um 
It's probably like the first R-rated horror movie I ever saw, so it holds a great place in my heart. But it's a it's it pairs well with Bill and Ted, and that's just a nice eighties eighties uh, comedy with a little bit of excitement in it. So you got Inner Space, Clue, and The Lost Boys. Check them all out. Very good, very good. Um, let's see. So for me. Bill and Ted, I mean, come on. You know what it's going to be. You know what my first recommendation is going to be. I'm talking Tenet, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to keep recommending Tenet, but, you know. I, I'm, I'm it, fine with it. I just, I love On this it. one, the time travel concepts are the same. So, you know, what's happened, happened. It's all one thing. You got to do it. It's how many the times one timeline. How many think, times do you think Christopher Nolan has watched Bill and Ted? He probably drops acid and watches Bill and Ted at least <laughs> twice a year. I mean, I mean, uh, I think legend says that Interstellar's time travel stuff happened. Uh, it came up in a little acid session with uh, him and Kip Thorne. You know, Emma, Emma, don't disturb me in my screening room. I'm gonna drop acid for two days and watch Bill and Ted. That's my, that's where do you my... think he gets his time travel concepts where do you think he gets oh. his movie ideas come on it's it's lsd baby why do you Christopher think he's such, an LSD? he's such a big howard hughes fan that he's just pissing in milk jugs and <laughs> <laughs> naked in his room he's got to clean up uh afterwards to direct his next movie you know he's got to pull himself out of that but um yeah tenet great bromance just like bill and ted mm-hmm. great time travel movie just like bill and ted um, just a fun hangout movie, you know. That's what Tenet is. It's a hangout time travel movie. Um, next recommendation. Um, I was gonna. I had a couple alternatives. I was gonna say Looper because you know Looper is one of my favorite time travel movies, but oh, that's yeah. not. It's not close enough. And then I was. I was gonna say Before Midnight, but hey, or no, 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 not Before Midnight. Midnight in Paris. <laughs> hey yikes i know hey listen listen woody <laughs> allen yikes i know but movies are more than one person yeah True. owen wilson puts out his best performance rachel mcadams is great and it's a very it's a very light movie light time travel movie but i'm not that's not one of my recommendations sorry but um my second re- recommendation, I went instead with uh, Hot Tub Time Machine because, hey. hey, fantastic comedy. One of it's the, a good movie. One of the great – it is. It's a fantastic comedy with a lot of heart. Uh, it's almost like Bill and Ted if they were older, kind of <laughs> uh, their lives haven't turned out what they wanted to be. And maybe they try to travel back to their Bill and Ted days. But, you know, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, great comedy, um, raunchier more modern but you know a movie that's funny but still has a lot of heart to it and a fun time travel concept um then lastly movie we talked about on our physical collection it's a kid's return also about two slackers in high school um this one's not a time travel movie though directed by takeshi kitano my favorite director of all time one of my favorite directors japanese director um these two these two kids not doing well in school, don't have any interest, trying to figure out what they want to do. They get into boxing. Things happen. They get caught up with the Yakuza. Things happen. A movie about just trying to figure out your future and trying to figure out who you are. And yeah, fantastic movie. Hell yeah. And that's it. I guess that's Great it. Great recommendations too. Hey. Well, 
Another great episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining yeah. us on uh, on the algorithm. Uh, you can follow us on social media platforms as at the algorithm pod. Um, anything you want to plug, Dustin? <sighs> no. All right. Piercey. Producer Pierce? Nothing at all. Um, well, uh, want- what's Producer Pierce been doing? He's been... Uh, I can't see him on this cam. He's been silent this past hour ever since we stopped talking about he's been, batteries he's, not included. He's been sleeping. <laughs> he's, he was like... Uh, he. he he kept. He fell asleep with his middle finger up at me. And he, <laughs> he, he wrote a sign that said, "This this episode sucks." I, I don't know what that. I mean, teach I'm just producing. Right. <laughs> don't take it personal. Um, I would like to plug our great friends. Uh, our great friend Young Onions music. Um, check out Young Onion on all music platforms, and also go ahead and check out. Um, Myself and producer Pierce and our buddy Jimmy's band, The Pie Shakes. We're on all music platforms. Might as well get that out more. So, uh, yeah, shameless plug for that, but who cares? Uh, thanks again for listening to The Algorithm. Much love to you all, and salute Be for excellent now. to each other, right? Party on, dudes. Oh, most <laughs> excellent.